today. Tensions along the Israel-Lebanon border elevate the risk of outright conflict. A standoff in Pakistan as troops guard churches from mob violence. The Fed divided over interest rates. And Europe faces a populist backlash on climate. It's Thursday, August 17th. This is Reuters World News with everything you need to know from the front lines in 10 minutes, every weekday. I'm Kim Vanell in London. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. We start with the headlines making news around the world. A U.S. appeals court has upheld the legality of the abortion pill Mifepristone, but imposed restrictions on its access. The court ordered a ban on telemedicine prescriptions and mail shipments of the drug. It stopped short, however, of pulling it off the market, as a lower court had done, setting up a Supreme Court showdown. Hawaiian officials have defended not using a siren warning system during last week's deadly wildfires. Maui's emergency chief, Herman Andea, came under questioning by journalists at a press conference. Do you regret not sounding the sirens? I, I do not. And the reason why... And so many people said they could have been saved if they had time to escape. In fact, on the website of the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency, the following guideline is provided. If you are in a low-lying area near the coastline, evacuate to high grounds. Had we sounded the siren that night, we are afraid that people would have gone Malka. And if that was the case, then they would have gone into the fire. The head coach of the U.S. women's soccer team has resigned, according to several media reports. Vladko Andonovsky's reported exit follows the four times champions crashing out early from the Women's World Cup after a shock loss to Sweden. Burger King has scrapped tomatoes from its wraps and burgers in many Indian outlets due to inflation. Even tomatoes need a vacation. We are unable to add tomatoes to our food. Red notices pasted at some India outlets. The chain has cited quality issues in explaining the shortfall. In Pakistan, angry mobs have attacked four churches in the east of the country. Rioters are demanding that two men they accuse of desecrating the Quran be handed over. Troops have been deployed to cordon off the Christian settlement and residents have fled to a nearby village. Asif Shahzad is a reporter in Pakistan. So Asif, what's the latest? Is the standoff ongoing? So the latest is that the standoff is still going on. The tensions are still running high. And uh, this Christian settlement that was attacked by a mob of like six to 7,000 people yesterday, it has been cordoned off by paramilitary troops and police. And nobody's being allowed to get in or get out of that settlement. And the protesters who attacked this settlement yesterday, they have given a deadline today that if the two people who were blamed for blasphemy, if they are not arrested by afternoon, 
then they will come out again and block the main highway and they will start their protest again. What sparked this? Tell us about Pakistan's blasphemy laws. Pakistani blasphemy laws calls for death penalty for anyone who blaspheme anything against Islam or its prophet Muhammad. There haven't been any serious attempts ever to reform these laws. These are really very harsh and strict laws. I mean, what sparked these latest violence or protests is that there was some allegation yesterday that someone found a couple of pages of Holy Book Quran and there was something written in red on them. Some local guy approached it to a local cleric and showed him to them that someone has desecrated Holy Book Quran. That sparked this violence yesterday. Minutes from the Federal Reserve's July meeting are out, and they show divisions between the bank officials over which way to go on future interest rate hikes. Our Fed watcher Howard Schneider has poured over the details and is here to break it down. You saw two members, although there was a consensus of vote to uh, raise interest rates in July, two non-voting members, probably non-voting members, did say they would leave rates, prefer to leave rates where they were. And then you saw things like some or a number of start to talk about other risks out there, the risks of going too far, the risk that there could be an un- jump in unemployment because of all this, the risk that there's still impact from prior rate hikes coming through the economy and all of that needed to be considered. So all in all, I think you see opinions starting to diverge a little bit more as this debate really nears its end point. That's probably going to lead to a pause, a hold in September with some optionality left on the table in their statement, in their language to go again if they need to. Interestingly, in the minutes, there was a reference to data in, quote, coming months helping resolve this question. That indicated to me that they're going to be a little bit patient about this next decision. It's been 17 years since the last major war between Israel and the Shiite Islamist group Hezbollah on the Lebanese border. Even as a deadly conflict between them has played out in Syria, they've avoided major blows. But several incidents at the frontier recently raised concerns about a possible escalation, one fueled by tensions over Iran's nuclear program and escalating violence between Israel and the Palestinians. Maya Jabali is the bureau chief for Lebanon, Syria and Jordan. Maya Are Israel and Lebanon's Hezbollah being drawn into a new conflict with one another? And why is it happening now? We've definitely seen a series of incidents in the past couple of months that have ratcheted up tensions along the southern border between Lebanon and Israel. That border is one that every once in a while we'll see some kind of incident pop up. There might be a protest, there might be somebody throwing a Molotov cocktail, something like that across the border. But the series of incidents that we've seen over the course of spring to summer now have indicated that there are some tensions that are boiling. One analyst you spoke to said Hezbollah wants to change the unwritten rules of engagement with Israel. What does that mean? 
So we spoke to Mohanad Hajali from the Carnegie Middle East Center, and he gave us a way of thinking about what might be changing about those rules of engagement between Hezbollah and Israel, which have been in place basically since the very bloody month-long war in 2006 between Hezbollah and, and Israel. Since then, the rules of engagement have kept kind of a cold war along that border. But what might be changing is other factors being drawn into that dynamic. So he pointed out that there's a kind of new dynamic that's playing out where if there's an escalation in the Palestinian territories between Israel and armed factions there, that Lebanon's southern borders could also light up. And that is what we saw this summer when there were escalations along the Lebanese border with Israel with rockets flying over and Israel actually responding. And we're worried that that could again proved to be a new reality where Lebanese territory is being drawn into the tensions that are playing out more broadly across the region. The European Union has burnished its role as a leader on climate change. But looming elections put future climate measures at risk, especially as populist backlash against green initiatives gains steam. Sarah Marsh is covering the story. Sarah, why is there a backlash to these policies now? So I think it's a combination of factors. On the one hand, you have a cost of living crisis. You have some of the highest rates of inflation that we've seen in decades. And so people just feel they can't afford now the green transition on top of that. And then you have the issue that we're going now from pledges to cut emissions to concrete policies and policies in areas that really affect citizens, such as building efficiency, transport. So people are having to get used to the idea of no longer using combustion vehicles, of having to spend money on renovating their homes. How are European leaders responding to or using this populist angst? So some politicians are starting to really tap into these worries and in the apparent hope that they're going to bring them electoral success, especially in countries that are facing national elections. So, for example, in the UK, Britain used to be seen as a real leader in fighting climate change. And we've seen a real shift in rhetoric under Rishi Sunak, who has said that we need to be careful of creating more costs for people that they just simply can't afford. Is there a sense that Europe has ceded the mantle to the US at the moment? I think a lot depends on the upcoming elections. Analysts in general say that, yes, the US is doing a lot at the moment. They're spending hundreds of billions of dollars on fostering green technology. And certainly Europe, there's a fear that all the green tech is going to move to the US. But on the other hand, Typically, the US really seesaws on green policy and the next election could completely change the direction that it's going in. That's it for today's episode of Reuters World News. We'll be back with our daily headline show Friday. To make sure you know what's going on in the world, listen in for 10 minutes every weekday. And don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast player or download the Reuters app.